Trevor, pray for Drew as we all together seek, seek the Lord's will on this. Well, let's turn together to Proverbs chapter 23. Proverbs 23. If you're using the blue Bible in front of you, it's on page 545. Page 545. Proverbs chapter 23. This morning we're wrapping up our study through the book of Proverbs. And there's a lot that we could have covered that we have not covered. So we'll probably come back to this book one day and cover a lot, a lot more topics. But next week we're kicking off our Advent series. So I'm very excited about that. And it, many of you have asked me, so I'll just go ahead and say it from up front so we're all on the same page. Yes, you are now allowed to put up Christmas decorations at your house. The Thanksgiving is over. We're in Christmas season. So now it's allowed. It's allowed. Thank you. Thank you. All right, Proverbs chapter 23, and as we wrap up this series, we're going to end with verses 17 and 18 of Proverbs chapter 23. Let's look there together. God's word says says this to us through Proverbs 23, verse 17. Let not your heart envy sinners, but continue in the fear of the Lord all the day. Surely there is a future, and your hope will not be cut off. We're ending with this topic of what the book of Proverbs teaches us about the future because it shows us why everything we've learned in this study of Proverbs is valuable. It shows us why everything we've learned in this study of Proverbs is worth it, why walking in the way of wisdom is worth it. And the reason we have to come to a verse like this is because it's not always easy to believe that. It's not always easy to believe walking this way is worth it. We've covered what it means to fear the Lord. We've covered that we can walk in wisdom or walk in folly. We've covered what that looks like in family life, work life, friendship, with our words, with technology. And these truths can seem good and right in here, in this service. But then when we leave here and step back into daily life, normal life, the shine of it can kind of wear off. What sounded so good in this moment and this time, when you go back to work or back home or back to school or back with your friends, all those things that you felt excited about in here, don't get you as excited as out there. A few years ago, our family had um, the opportunity to go on a vacation to Colorado, and we loved it. It was beautiful. Can't wait to go back. And we, while we were there, we drove to the top of Pikes Peak. We did not hike to the top of Pikes Peak. We're not on that level. But we drove to the top of Pikes Peak. And there's a famous donut shop at the top of Pikes Peak. And they, everybody says, when you go to Pikes Peak, you've got to get the donuts. You've got to get the donuts. Because apparently, there's a secret recipe and s- specific machinery that only works at 14,000 feet. And so they, they, that's why it's so special to go up there. So they, what they tell you to do is go up there. Buy a half dozen, dozen donuts, try one at the top, then drive all the way back to the bottom and try one at the bottom. Because they say, apparently, it changes. It makes it different. Because that unique environment, the thinner air, the altitude, the climate there, on top of the mountain, the donuts have this, they were delicious. They were awesome. Cinnamon sugar, I'm kind of drooling just thinking about it right now. But they were so good. So we did that. We said, well, this is what you say, everybody says you got to do. We'll, we'll give to the peer pressure. We'll do it. So we get to the top, ate one at the top, drove to the bottom. And when you got to the, the, the one at the bottom, it was like kind of dry and it was different. It wasn't as good. It was not as good, not as appetizing, not as desirable at all. 
And this can be similar to the experience that we have as we learn from God's word together in this service week after week after week. The truth of scripture in this moment can sound valuable and seem worthy of our attention and something we want to believe and live out, but then we face the reality of family and work and school and other difficulties, difficult things that are happening, just life in a broken world in general, and it can look less desirable, less realistic. When the book of Proverbs, God doesn't just give us commands for how to live, do, 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 do. That's not what, he, that's not what the book is. He also points us to the future that he's promised for his people that's meant to motivate us when things in this world right now can't motivate us to live this way. It's our God-ordained future that's meant to fuel obedience to God. We could say it this way, that God's future promises motivate his present commands. What God has promised to us in the future is meant to motivate how we live for him right now. If you and I are looking around for something right now to make us want to live for him right now, We're going to be looking for a long time. But if you look to the future, the future that we've sung about over and over and over this morning, as we were singing the songs, I just started to think, I'm not even sure I need to go up and preach this morning after the songs that we sang. Because we've we've heard this truth over and over already, but God's word is going to show it to us even more. So we're looking at these two verses, and I'd like to break it up in just three sections here. And we're going to see a temptation... And then we're going to see a solution and then a motivation. Temptation, solution, motivation. Let's look at the first one, the temptation here. And the temptation is to look around, to look around. We have said week after week during this study of Proverbs that wisdom is living out God's word in God's world. But we know by experience that we sometimes feel this tension when we live out God's word in God's world. And this tension often comes when we look around at the lives of people next to us and we see things in their life that we don't have but we want. And the writer of Proverbs helps us with this. Here's what he says. Look, Look again with me at verse 17. He says, let not your heart Envy sinners. Don't allow your heart to envy sinners. Be helpful, I think, to define a couple of terms in that verse so we can understand what he's saying. The first word I want to define for us is sinners. If you haven't been to church before, you don't go to church a lot, you would expect a preacher to get up and yell about sinners. That's not what this verse is doing. That's not what it's talking about. There is a sense in which the Bible teaches we are all sinners, and that's true, that we all reject God's rule. We all break his commands. But in this specific verse, the word sinners refers to people who don't know the Lord, refers to people who don't fear the Lord, who live however they want to live with no regard about who God is or what his word says. So he says, don't let your heart envy sinners. Don't let your heart envy sinners the lives of people who are living in a way that doesn't fear the Lord, that doesn't care about him. But that's the second word I want us to pay attention to is envy. It's a word I'm sure you've heard before, but we probably don't think a lot about what that word means, to envy someone. Jealousy may be a synonym for us here. But envy is this emotion that we all experience, no matter what age, we all have and do and will experience 
envy in different ways. And envy is this interesting combination of liking something someone else has, but it's not just that. It's you like something someone else has, and you dislike the fact that you don't have it, but they do. That's envy. You resent the fact that someone else has something that you think you deserve and they don't deserve. There's something you want, and you're offended. God has given it to someone else, not you. Let not your heart envy sinners. We know this is an issue, and we know this is an important issue because look at just the very next chapter of Proverbs, chapter 24, verse 1. Be not envious of evil men, nor desire to be with them. Same thing. So he's repeating this multiple times because he wants it to get our attention. And the Lord gives us this command, this warning, because he knows we're going to be tempted to look at someone who doesn't trust the Lord and see them striving, striving while we, thriving while we feel like we're struggling. Seems like, it seems like they're on top of the world and get all the stuff that they want and need, and we're over here living a life of want and not the life that we envisioned we, were, we would live. And we start to think things like, I wish I had the comfortable life they had. We start to think things like, I wish I had the success they had. I wish I had the grades they had, the job they had. I wish I got into the college they got into. I wish I made the team they made. I wish I had the family they had. I wish I had the good life they seem to have. We come here, we hear about the importance of wisdom, and then we go out in the world and we see people who don't give a lick about wisdom And it looks like they're happier and more fulfilled than we are. But then you come back in here the next week and hear me go on and on and on about wisdom again. And it seems like people who don't care about wisdom's lives are better than people who do care. That they look happier and more fulfilled than me and you because they have the house you want and don't have. They have the job you want and don't have or the clothes you want and don't have, the money you want and don't have the relationship you want and don't have, the body you want and don't have, the lifestyle you want but don't have. And it makes you and I suspicious. Even if we don't say it out loud, we start to get suspicious. Why is God holding out on me? And once we start being suspicious of God, we stop trusting God. And Proverbs, this verse here, is calling us to watch out for that kind of thinking. To don't, don't let those, those thoughts, those desires get deep roots in your heart. Because this is the same lie Satan has been preaching since he first preached a lie to Adam and Eve. In Genesis chapter 3, the third chapter of the Bible, very beginning of the story, Satan's words cause Adam and Eve to focus more on what God has not given them than what he has given them. And Satan has been preaching that same lie ever since to all of us, to me and to you. Because at its root, envy is unbelief. Envy is short-sightedness. Envy is, to, to use language from another chapter in Proverbs, leaning on our own understanding and not trusting the Lord. 
when we try to live for Christ and it seems like things are going better for those not living for Christ, it pulls us towards thinking it'd be better just to not follow Jesus or it'd be better just to kind of downplay my faith, to keep it quiet because my life would be better if I did that. Well, the Bible's obviously aware of this temptation and that's really good news. God knows my heart and your heart better than I know our hearts, better than you know your heart. And the Bible's aware of this temptation, and it also points us to the solution. And that's the next part I, I want us to see. If the temptation is to look around, the solution is to look up. Look up is the solution. And we see this in the second part of verse 17. Look back with me at Proverbs 23, verse 17. Let not your heart envy sinners, but, so here's, here's the, the contrast, the, the thing that we are to do, but continue in the fear of the Lord all the day. But continue in the fear of the Lord all the day. One of the important ways to understand verses in Proverbs is to think about how one sentence helps us understand the other sentence. A lot of verses, especially in the second part of Proverbs, are these two sentences combination, then one's meant to color the other a little bit. And the same thing is true here. We see this comparison. We see this contrast that the opposite of envying other people is fearing the Lord. The opposite of looking around at other people and constantly comparing my life to them is looking up and fearing the Lord. So we can spend our days envying sinners or we can spend our days fearing the Lord. And you can't do both because one will drown out the other. When you and I experience envy and allow those thoughts, you know those moments where those thoughts come in your head and all of a sudden whatever it is in your brain just grabs onto it with both hands and you are going deep into a thought like that and that whole cycle and you're letting it just do its work in your brain and in your soul. When, when you and I have this experience as we just let that thought run wild, it over time makes people look bigger than God. And it makes God shrink down to look really small. But fearing the Lord, the opposite of envy, brings people down to the right proportion. It doesn't mean people don't matter. And it doesn't mean all these things that we envy in other people are all horrible, bad things, and they don't matter. That's not what the verse is saying. But it's saying the Lord is greater than all of those things. Let not your heart envy sinners, but continue in the fear of the Lord all the day. There's a, there's a couple other chapters in the Bible that are really key about this. One is Psalm 73, and another one is Psalm 37. I want to read, you don't have to turn there necessarily, but I want to read just the first four verses of Psalm 37 to help you hear this. I think it will be on the screen behind me. But hear some similar language and hear what it brings us to, the truth it brings us to. Psalm 37, this is verse 1. Fret not yourself because of evildoers. Be not envious of wrongdoers, for they will soon fade like grass and wither like the green herb. And here's what he brings us to. Turn away from that. Turn to this. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Isn't it interesting 
in those verses that when we envy other people, it's the desires of our heart that are causing us to envy. But when we delight in the Lord, it's the desires of our heart that are fulfilled. That's not an accident. Rather than being stirred up to worry or stirred up to envy because, what's going, because of what's going on in the lives of people who don't fear the Lord, fearing the Lord stirs us up to trust him, to delight in him. And so continuing in the fear of the Lord all the day, I love that phrase, continuing in the fear of the Lord all the day, it's a mindset. That's a heart posture that we strive to hold on to each day. So what that looks like is instead of looking over the fence to see what others have that we don't, we look up. And we look at the Lord, and we see what he's done for us. We see who he is. We see what he has given us. And through the truths of his word, we see his power, and we see his holiness, and we see his goodness, and we see his love, and we see his mercy. And when we see this expansive, great, vast picture of the Lord, it drains the power out of envy. Sometimes envy has such a strong hold on us because we have such a small view of God and such a big view of stuff. And this perspective is something you and I have to go after all day, every day, because our hearts are tempted away from it all day, every day. So it's goofy for you and I to think, well, we kind of heard a sermon on this, thought about it for a few seconds, prayed about it for a couple seconds, done. This is clearly checked off in my heart, never struggle with this ever again. We know that's not realistic. Continue in the fear of the Lord all the day. We need his word every day through reading it, listening to it, praying through it, conversations about it, memorizing it. And as we fill our minds and hearts with his truth, whatever it is that we envy will lose its shine next to the glory of God. What's the old hymn say? Turn your eyes upon Jesus And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. If I walked back into our kids' area right now, and I walked back to a couple of the toddler rooms, and I said, all right, guys, I have this bag of candy, or I have 20 bucks. What are most of them going to pick? Bag of candy. Might be a couple future Shark Tank toddlers back there that might pick the 20 bucks and and invest it somewhere, maybe, I don't know. Y'all got some pretty smart kids back there. But but they're going to pick the candy, even though they could buy so much more candy for 20 bucks than what I'm holding in my hand right there. And it's the kind of, I think there's there's something good about childlike faith, but there's something bad about childish perspective. And, And it's this kind of childish perspective that the Lord is pulling us away from, that The kids, the toddlers back there, they don't understand the value of $20 compared to a bag of candy. And the Lord is saying, sometimes you and I lose sight of the value of fearing him and the value of what he promises compared to the things we can see and the things we can hold on to and the things we can own. Because it's when we begin to have this different perspective, this mature perspective of wisdom that we'll see God is greater than stuff. God is greater than success. God is greater than a house. God is greater than a job. God is greater than clothes. He's greater than money. He's better than a relationship. He's better than any position you could have. And this is the solution to a lifestyle of wisdom. It's it's doing whatever it takes to look up each day 
And when we're tempted to look around, we come to truth, we come to a person, we come to prayer to make our souls, our minds, our hearts look up. So that's the solution. I don't think that's easy because, like I said earlier, we have to have the right motivation, the right fuel for that. And our last verse here is going to add the motivation that keeps us looking up instead of looking around. So this is the last part of our sermon this morning. The motivation is looking ahead. What keeps us looking up instead of looking around is looking ahead, is looking to the future. And we see this in verse 18. Let's look there together. Proverbs 23, verse 18. Surely there is a future. And your hope will not be cut off. Hear both of those verses together. Let not your heart envy sinners. Don't give in to that temptation. Instead, continue in the fear of the Lord all the day. Why? Because there's a future. And your hope will not be cut off. Why is it better to spend my days and your days fearing the Lord than wishing life was more like someone's life who doesn't fear the Lord? Why is that better? Even though it's not as glamorous, even though it doesn't always feel as good, even though it doesn't always look as good, even though it's not always as comfortable, why is it better? Because there's a future. Because there's a hope that belongs to those who know and trust and fear the Lord. God's future promises motivate his present commands. If you and I are going to resist the pull of walking towards the world and away from the Lord, we have to keep God's promises always in front of our face. God's promises remind us that what we see right now when we look around is not all that will be. God's promises remind us that when we look around at other people's lives, even though their lives look better, their lives are not better for something that lasts. God is moving all of history towards a specific moment and towards a specific place and towards a specific person. And all of God's promises guarantee that all of God's people will one day spend all of eternity in God's heavenly kingdom. This truth is so important and so vital that just like the warning, the the promise is emphasized too. Go back to chapter 24 again and look with me over at verses 13 and 14. You're going to see the same wording, the same phrase in Proverbs 24, 13 and 14. Verse 13, this is, remember, the father speaking wisdom to his son. He says, my son, eat honey for it is good. And the drippings of the honeycomb are sweet to your taste. Know that wisdom is such to your soul. If you find it, There will be a future, and your hope will not be cut off. So he he compares the way that honey is good for your body to the way wisdom is good for your soul. And he tells his son, son, go after wisdom. Build your life on God's word because there's a future in that. There's a future that way. In both there and back in verse 18, key phrase in both spots is your hope will not be cut off off. You take that verse in for a second. Your hope will not be cut off. And it's not up to you. 
your hope cannot be cut off. Heaven is a guarantee. For anyone in this room, for anyone in this world that puts their full faith in Jesus Christ, coming to him saying, I really don't have anything to bring to you, Lord. And he says, that's fine. Because anything you bring would not make this right. I've done everything that needs to be done for you to know me, for you to be forgiven, for you to have the hope of salvation and eternal life. And he says, I accept you and welcome you into my family because you've trusted me as your Savior and as your Lord. And heaven, for anyone that does that, heaven is a guarantee. More guaranteed than anything in this world could ever be guaranteed. You'll hear businesses say, money back guarantee. More guaranteed than that. Lifetime guarantee, more guaranteed than that. This sermon does not guarantee heaven. The strength of your belief does not guarantee heaven. The promises of God himself, who does not lie, guarantee heaven. And so the expectation of eternal life, nothing, no one can extinguish it. It will never Go out. Derek Kidner, in his little book on Proverbs, I've mentioned it before. There's a great little line in there where he says, the antidote to envy is the long view. The antidote to envy is the long view. That when we envy, it's because we're just looking right here, right now. Think about, for those of you that have graduated out of school, even those of you that are still in in high school maybe, Think about the things that you envied in elementary school or middle school. You don't even care about those things anymore. They're not even cool anymore. Think about how much we'll have that perspective when we are in eternity with God looking back on this life. John Newton, the the man who wrote the hymn Amazing Grace, he gives this great illustration that I think brings this home for us. He tells us to picture a man that just found out he inherited this huge estate in a big city. Land, money, house, all of it. He's just inherited this. So he's on his way to go and inherit this massive estate that has been given to him by a family member. Well, as he's on his way, and this is in Newton's day, he's using this illustration. As he's on his way, when he's about a mile away from his brand new mansion, new estate, new money, his carriage breaks down. Our day, car breaks down. He said, how goofy would we think this man is if we came to pass him and he's just on his hands and knees going, my carriage is broken, my carriage is broken, my carriage is broken. When he's a mile away from the inheritance that he's about to receive that makes this little thing seem like nothing. And he says, that's exactly how we are. That sometimes we see things in the world that we don't have but want, or we see the difficulty of how, what it means to follow Christ in this world, and it is hard. But there's nothing in the Bible that says it won't be. And it is hard. And how, how, how short-sighted do we see, seem sometimes when we're over there pouting or complaining about something temporary we don't have? when we have an eternal inheritance coming our way. Because God has promised a future that will last forever, 
It doesn't make sense to envy what won't last forever. An author, uh, Courtney Reisig, in, in an article about this topic, she said, there's so much to envy in our world, but the world is not our home. There's so much to envy in our world, but the world is not our home. That's what I love about Psalm 112 that's guiding our worship service this morning. The end that that you'll hear read here in just a little bit when we wrap up our service. This is Psalm 112, verses 6 and 7. It says, for the righteous will never be moved. He will be remembered forever. And here's, I love this part. He is not afraid of bad news. His heart is firm, trusting in the Lord. The future gives a firmness to our hearts and to our faith that whatever it is we're envying could never give us. We need to memorize this promise. We need to store it in our hearts so that we have truth to run to the next time envy rears its head up in our lives. Because it's this promise that tells us the brightest days for the church are way ahead. You might think the brightest days for the church are back in the past or right now. None of those are true. The brightest days for the people of God are way ahead of us. And no matter how dark the days get between now and then and how many dark days there are between now and then, none of them can do anything to dim the brightness of the day that waits for the people of God in eternity. It is eternally, undefeatedly, invincibly bright. And so our hope is undefeated, invincible, untouchable because God's holding it for us. So as we come to the end of this study through Proverbs, this short little section that we've been looking at this morning, it leads us to the same crossroads that we've seen week after week in this series, this crossroads between wisdom or folly, this crossroads between fearing the Lord, following him, exalting yourself, following yourself, this crossroads between life and death. The last place I'd like for us to go as we close this morning is Proverbs chapter 8. So just turn a few pages back with me. I just want to read one little section that I think wraps a bow on this for now and gives us some things to think about as we close. Proverbs chapter 8, verse 32, the end of the chapter. And hear this, this last little section, 32 to 36 is what I'm going to read. Hear this as just a call to all of us. In light of the book of Proverbs, in light of what the Lord has taught us, in life class and in our worship services, hear this as a call to all of us. Proverbs 8, verse 32. And now, O sons, listen to me. This is, this is wisdom speaking. This is wisdom personified, wisdom, God's wisdom crying out to us. And now, O sons, listen to me. Blessed are those who keep my ways. Hear instruction and be wise and do not neglect it. Blessed is the one who listens to me, watching daily at my gates, waiting beside my doors. Then listen to this in verse 35. For whoever finds me, whoever finds wisdom, finds life and obtains favor from the Lord. 
But he who fails to find me injures himself. And all who hate me love death. This call to come to wisdom and to listen to wisdom is a call to come to Jesus and listen to Jesus. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. He is the wisdom of God. He is the Savior who died to rescue us from chasing after all these things that will never satisfy us. So instead of living our days looking around in envy and doubt and worry, Jesus offers us a better way. Jesus offers us, the book of Proverbs offers us, the better way of looking up to him and looking ahead to the day that he's going to come back. And as we do that, it will transform the ways we live our lives right now.